Welcome everyone to the Popular Podcast. I'm Steve. He is Reverend Dr. Van Beek. Oh, it was just like I just would just drew my sword right out of the sheath and I just brandished it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Reverend Dr. Lawrence Van Beek. Oh, oh. Yes. Well, I thought I'd start that way because I, I actually need to begin tonight with a correction from last week. And that's okay. that um, we were talking about, remember, um, oh, what's his name? Nehemiah. Nehemiah was going around the walls and we were talking about the different walls, the the dung wall and, you know, the, the sheep, or the dung gate and the sheep gate. And um, and then and then he, he went to the pool of Siloam. Yeah. And I said, well, that was where they stirred the waters where where the guy couldn't get in. And um, and then you said. Well, then when the guy was better, didn't he talk to the Pharisees and, and, and talk about that? And I said, no, no, that was, that was the blind man. That was the other pool. Mm. And, and one of our listeners um, got a hold of me and said, actually, yeah, yeah. Lynn, she said, (laughs) the one who corrects us all the time. She said, no, the pool of Siloam was the blind man. Steve was right. It was the blind man. And it was the blind man that talked to the Pharisees when, that Jesus healed the blind man, and 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 he, and then he later said, "What do you want to be one of his followers too?" But it was the pool of Bethsaida where the where the angel stirred the water. Ah, there we go. And where Jesus healed that guy, yeah. um, at the uh, the guy who couldn't get into the into the water, and Jesus just he just goes ahead and heals him. Then, yeah, yeah. I, I had married well, both stories too, right? So, <laughs> well, no, I screwed up the stories. You you actually got the right guy at the at the pool. I just. And, you know, even to this, even though now I know different, it still seems to me it was the pool of Siloam that was where the waters were stirred. So maybe one day I'll go over to the book Gospel of John and just have another look. (laughs) And then in the the earliest and best texts, that that story isn't even there. Oh, (laughs) well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, the stirring of the water. And when I say earliest and best, I say that a little tongue-in-cheek. That's what they used to say about the Alexandrian text. They called it the neutral text. And if something wasn't in the Alexandrian text, um, then they wouldn't. So basically, when you're doing New Testament studies, there are about 10,000 or so um, manuscripts out there, anywhere from part of a verse to most of the New Testament, mm-hmm. these manuscripts. And and there's manuscripts from, from Palestine. There's a Caesarean text. There's the Alexandrian text. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the Byzantine texts, right? Right. And and so as they look at these texts, they they weigh them to see which is probably the close that brings you closest to the original. So if the if the if the words are in all three texts, then um, then you'd say, oh, that definitely was in the Bible. But if the words were just in the Byzantine, most of the texts are the Byzantine text. That's Constantinople. Um, you remember where the Roman emperor said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he he pronounced the empire Christian. And so then the scholars had had the freedom to to do it. And Byzantine texts are conflationist. Mm. And um, so then they would look. So in the early days, they would look to the Alexandrian text and say that was the that was the best text. But we don't do that anymore. I should really stop about this because I don't think our audience cares. And no, they do. They and do. it means nothing to them all. So everything I've talked about right now, Steve, is what we call textual criticism. Which is a a big part of New Testament studies. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you 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 saved it and you brought it back. And Lynn, we do appreciate your corrections too, by the way. So, but no, Mm -hmm. thank thanks for explaining that, Larry, because it is you know ties into the story of of uh, yeah yeah. So so I did get them wrong, but but now now Nehemiah 
He is building the walls. By the way, another thing I should mention, because we're going to get to this again, is how is it that everybody in, in ancient Jerusalem knew how to build a wall? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody was building walls. The one guy, Lynn also mentioned that, that we didn't read that. The one guy was building it with his daughters, his section of the wall. And the other guy was, they were priests building the walls. And, yeah. you know, everybody was building these walls. So, so, so to say they weren't talented in the first century, yeah. and to think that the that the twenty first century is where all the knowledge exists is is very, very um, time biased. Yes. Yep. 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 Well said. It's like, it's like racism only with time. <laughs> timeism. Timeism. Yeah, you're a timist. <laughs> yeah, <but> time <laughs> So, so we're now in chapter four. Uh, yeah, ahead, I was just going to say, so buddy, tonight in chapter four, what are we going to see? Well, we're going to see the opposition to the wall by, by Sanballat and, um, and his friends. And remember that one guy, the one guy we read um, felt that, that the Jewish guys, that Nehemiah and them actually made mistakes. But when you read this, you find out that Sanballat, the Samaritan, mm -hmm. was a jerk. Yes. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, his friend, the Ammonite, was also a jerk. Yeah. yeah. And there were so, Arabs and everything around there giving them grief. Yeah. Yeah. While they were building this wall. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. Right on. Well, let's jump in and uh, stop me wherever you want, bud, and then I'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Was, when Salavit, Salavit. <laughs> wow. Started off quick tonight, didn't I? When Sam Ballot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria. Ooh, that's something I hadn't even thought of before. He said. But they had an army still, yeah. They had an army still. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring back the stones? Or can can they can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on top of it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall until uh, all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Yeah, now, it, this sounds like the walls were completely broken down. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, the walls would be, you know, parts would be broken down and part partially broken and parts were burned. And, and that's why Sam Ballot was so angry is, is, is he, it may have started off. Okay. The way that other author said, but by this point, he's just mad at them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and he's saying to their armies, he's saying, look at these guys. Like they're a bunch, they're a bunch of morons. They don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the building of this wall. Isn't that good. That's why if a Fox climbed on it, it would fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Then it goes right to his little prayer there. The prayer is, it, it must be Nehemiah, but there's there's nothing that says that. But it's right. Nehemiah prays and said, you know, like, help help us, Lord, get this wall built. And then Sam Ballad is still upset. And, and he gets Tobiah and the Arabs uh, uh, together. Don't forget, the Arabs are relatives of the Jews as well. 
Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. I mean, they've been trying to kill them forever, but. Yeah. But yeah. they're still family. <laughs> yeah. As good families do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll pick it up at verse seven then, folks. When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad. It almost sounds like a funny song to me. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that Phil Vischer from VeggieTales would have written. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is much, so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it, or see us, we will be right there among them and kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Okay, so the fear is, of course, is that that you don't actually hear that they're being attacked, but they're but they're they're totally afraid that while they're building the wall, they're going to be attacked. And you know, you're out there with a with a trowel and 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 mortar and putting mm-hmm. bricks in the wall. It's it's hard to defend against guys who are coming against you. And that is what he's going to prepare for in verse thirteen. Right. Okay. So thirteen, folks. Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and and fight for your families, for your sons and for your daughters, for your wives and for your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half the men did the work and the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore a sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the noble, okay, go ahead. No, I think that's just a bit of a metaphor, you know, that they 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 worked with one hand and had a sword in the other. That, that's got to be a metaphor because you can't do that. Unless you use the sword as your trowel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. But he was trying to t- say that they were prepared. I guess they were they were totally prepared. I had a friend that once said, you know, we believe in going to, to doctors and we believe that God or we believe that God's going to heal us. But we still we, we act like Nehemiah. We still take our medication until God heals us. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's a I think it's a good, good sentence, probably a bad example, but a good sentiment just the same. Yeah. No, I get where you're going from. That makes total sense. But, to me. but these guys. But so these guys are totally prepared for for all of the attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Our, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears and from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. 
<laughs> wow, I think that could violate a few HR rules. Um, yes, yes they're, they're worn out. These guys yeah. are worn out. Yeah, neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went out for water. Yeah, so total, I, I, I had a, a guy that I worked with and he had pray for peace tattooed on one arm, prepare for war tattooed on the other. Which I don't know if you're Mennonite, whether you believe in that kind of thing, but but uh, but it, I, I, it was an interesting. <laughs> it was something. It was something Peterson said in one of the little things that I was listening to, where he said we need to be dangerous, and the guy says, "Well, we don't need to be dangerous." He said, "Yeah, if you're if you're just weak, then then doing nothing isn't doesn't do anything. You're just weak. But if you're dangerous." And you and you hold yourself in check. That that's an important thing to be. And I, I kind of liked what he had to say. Mm-hmm. And that's what these guys had to be. They had to be ready while they did this stuff. They mm-hmm. just had to be. You know, they were totally prepared all the time. So Nehemiah was doing the right thing. Don't forget that one author we read said that he didn't think they should rebuild these walls, but but the book sure sounds like they should have. Yes. Yeah. And Nehemiah yeah. sure but believes he should have, right? Yes. He completely believed he should have. Yeah, and don't forget there. It, this did give you the the illustration here. It did show you they were filling the gaps in the walls. Yeah. So the walls were partially built, and they were they were putting the stones back in where they've been falling out. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how thick the walls in Jerusalem were. You know, they weren't they weren't like the walls of Jericho. In, in Jericho's walls, you could uh, you could live inside the walls. Right. But I don't think these are that, like that. That thick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> and they're, I mean, you know, comparison to us, they're actually facing a real existential threat. Not, you know, someone's going to make fun of us with words. These guys are literally being threatened with their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that Sam Ballot would have done it, but but they sure thought he might. Yeah, it was interesting to see that phrase earlier on in the passage, the army of Samaria, because that just, I'd never put that into my consciousness i kind of always <laughs> thought they were just just the guys that that were left behind piddling around poor guys yeah, yeah. But, but it wasn't that bad and you're going to read in the next chapter that there was actually quite a bit more going on as well that was my my preparation for the next chapter. oh see that was that was yeah. one of those that was a fantastic segue well done sir well it wasn't done. really foreshadowing but you know yeah, not, no, not, not as good as Goldman did in, in his thing. <laughs> uh, all right. Chapter five, folks. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some of them were saying, our, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. And in order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax in our fields and vineyards. Although so I'll stop the, you there just for a second. Yeah. So do notice that even though the king of Persia did a lot for Nehemiah and helped him to get there, he was they were still paying taxes to him. Mm-hmm. And um, so much so that they I read a thing that said when Alexander the Great went to Persia, um, he actually he actually found uh, about. Oh, what was it? About 350 tons of gold in at, at Susa and 1,500 tons of silver at mm. Susa. And it, it was just one thing I read. I don't know how true that is, 
But the idea is um, one of the reasons that the Pharaoh or that the Pharaoh um, that the that the king of Egypt or king of uh, Persia allowed them to go was because they were going to pay taxes when they got there. Intriguing, eh? But they're also paying it to their own people. So, so if you read a little further, you're going to find out that it wasn't just just the king of Egypt they were paying taxes to. Um, the the rich people were were putting the sons and daughters into slavery to pay them as well. These are Jewish people against Jewish people. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, folks. Verse five. Though we are but before the, you before you're too yeah. bad angry at them. Don't forget, Canadians also charge Canadians interest. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not limited to one people group. Um, no. Okay. Verse five, folks. Although we are the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and of, and though our children are as good as theirs, which is something that has been said throughout all ages, yes. we have yet to subject. We have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, and we, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and their charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as, as, far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they were, they were really working over their people. And, and he said, you can't do that. Just like Paul said at one place, a Christian shouldn't take another Christian to court. Like you should be able to work this stuff out if you're both right. Christian. Right. And, um, in this day and age, you probably find out you can't, but you know, at Paul's time, maybe you still could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so verse nine now. So I continued, What are what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the, the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their olive groves, and houses. And also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. Yeah, poopy low interest rate, though. Yeah, yeah, we could, we could deal with that kind of mortgage rates today. Yeah. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand any more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and the officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, in this way, may God shake out of their house or shake out of their house and possessions, anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the, praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Yeah, so if you're a Jewish guy, you're supposed to make your money on, on foreigners, not on your own people. Hmm. You're allowed to charge interest to foreigners. You're just not allowed to charge interest to your own people. Hmm. Which in some ways would make you not want to help your own people. So there's a there's a downside to that as well. So, hmm. but but as far as Nehemiah was concerned, he told them what they ought to do, and they did it right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Verse fourteen. Now, moreover, from the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah, until his thirty-second year, twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. 
But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for work. And we did not we did not acquire any land. So if this was if this wasn't the Bible, I would say I think Nehemiah wrote this himself, and he's <laughs> this is a political speech. But because it's scripture, I kind of think someone else wrote it, and and um, and he he wrote exactly what actually happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then to close off, folks, here we are at verse seventeen. Furthermore. 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from, from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotment allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember, we, remember me with favor, my God, for all I've done for these people. Strange, strange words, eh? Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. you're building up the thing, but you're the leader. You're the leader, so you're not only building this thing for God, but you're putting up with all of the pressures of all of the people. Maybe, right. maybe a pretty good uh, little passage um, for a leadership conference. Yeah, you know, when you're a leader, don't forget. Um, you know, it's going to go rough. The enemies are after you. Your own people are going to hate you too. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and when you pull this stuff together, there was one point where David was coming back, and and all his own men were going to kill him. Mm -hmm. You know, they were mad at him, and they were going to kill him. So, so this leadership thing is not an easy thing. I don't mm -hmm. think that was the point of the passage. It's just probably probably a pretty good one. Did you ever do any of this in your leadership studies? Talk about this Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was actually in in our a little bit in our masters, mostly yeah. talking about how. His, I can't remember how they phrased it, you know, participatory servant leadership, whatever, however you want to phrase it. But yeah. yeah. But but if they were really picking up on it, they'd pick up on you're going to be leading these people and they're going to be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um next next time, by the way, we're going to find out in the next chapter that it only took them like 55 days to rebuild the walls. So the, they were they were actually less than two months doing this work. Oh, it, wow. it sounds like they were doing it for years. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but it was only it's really only a couple of months that they were they were pulling this stuff together. Oh. Huh. So oh yeah. So he says anyway. So he says. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much, buddy. It, it's isn't it interesting to see the this like Larry just said, this is a period of 55 days, and we spend chapter, you know, a couple chapters on it, you know, compared with you know, you were talking about Acts in, the, in our bonus episode where you said that's a period of 25 years. And, and you know, it's kind of funny sometimes how the narrative works and, and the lessons we draw out of something that happened quite quickly, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So as always, folks, we're so blessed that you you listen, um, that uh, that uh, we hope that you enjoy the content that we, we put out there for you. Um, I know Larry and I enjoy doing it. And we just thankful that you come along for the ride each and every week. So until then, until the next time we do this, when guess what? We'll kind of pick up it for chapter six, I have a feeling. Um, I was Steve, he was Larry, and this was the Avon Wedding.